0: You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your ability. You are capable of anything. You can achieve any dream. Please don't limit yourself. Don't live your life limited. It's not all sadness and misery. Life's a challenge, but you will succeed. Love for a Child Kids Camp is a one-week opportunity for kids in foster care to come to summer camp. This camp was designed for abandoned, neglected, and abused foster care children right here in Michigan, to give them an entire week of royalty and fun. From the moment that they arrive on the bus, you can see sometimes the hurt, the fear, and the pain that is still living in their heart. You can can read it in their eyes. Sometimes they feel a little bit withdrawn and withheld but our counselors are so excited to see them. They run, they bang on the bus, they welcome the kids right here to camp. Because we know through half a year of training, we pray and we prepare for these children to arrive so that we can show them a place that is safe, a place that is filled with compassion, a place that is shown with God's love, a place that they can leave in a week, hopefully with their lives changed forever by God's grace. These children get activities and events every single day at camp. We have breakfast, lunch, dinner together as a family, because that is what camp is about feeling together. We have carnivals for these children that we bring in. Big carnivals with inflatables and games. We have kickball and baseball. The girls get to go to a princess morning. The boys go on a man walk. We go on a boat ride together, a hay ride. We go out fishing. Oftentimes for many of these children, it's the very first time they've ever had the opportunity to do these activities. But doing these activities with our counselors by their side, cheering them along as they climb up the rock wall, as they jump into the pool and they splash with laughter, we can't help but fall in love with the joy that we see on their faces. Constant reminder of why we do camp, to bring joy to the hurting. I heard one child say, I bet they spent a million bucks on us this week. Now, it's not necessarily about the tangible items and the gifts, but the fact that they feel like royalty for the week brings joy to our heart. And that's why we do it. We believe that one week away at Kids Camp can change a child's life forever. We've seen it happen. Foster care children who came here at a very young age and 10 years later, came back as a counselor to serve the very child that they once were. See, we believe that kids should be kids to restore the childhood that was stolen from them. And it's also for the adults, for their lives to be changed, when they can look at a child and see the hurt and replace it with hope. If you are seeking purpose in life, and you're trying to find something that has meaning, let love for a child, Kids Camp, be that thing. Take a risk and give your energy and give your efforts and give your attention to a child that is living in an at-risk home. We believe authentically and wholeheartedly everything that we do is love for a child.
1: What's up everybody this is ryan austin here with the power of helping people today i have a very special guest it's almost it's almost too good to be true one of my buddies uh joseph Valley. that was a great video that my uh guy put together but i want to actually touch base on what power of helping people is today our mission at power of helping people is to help one individual per day now with doing this we can actually impact thousands with your help so today I want to give you a little bit about my guest his name's Joe Sabali. he's founder and president of love for a child he's a public speaker author and a man of faith he also is happily married to his wife Michelle and his daughter Stella So why don't we welcome Joe Savali here. Uh, What's going on, Joe? What's
0: going on, Ryan? Always a a pleasure to be in uh, the same room as you, man. Power of helping people.
1: Yep. You know what? I was so excited that when you said you were going to be here, what we could go into, how you impact people, how you've changed my life, how you've done different things for others. Why don't we just go into a little bit about how we met Um, you know, my buddy, John Cooper, which we actually went to OC together, uh, and Joe Savalle has been a member of at OC. We actually, uh, were introduced by John Cooper. And where, where do you, where do we meet the first time?
0: Uh, it, Uh it was a Starbucks at the time, but it was, uh, it's now the Gloria Jeans coffee shop over, um, by Oakland university.
1: You know, uh, here, here's a little story. When I, when I walked (laughs) in to Starbucks, and I was looking for a guy, I walked in, and I'm like, that has got to be him. He nods his head, he looks at me, I'm like, man, he is too good looking to work for Birmingham Sealcoat." And the reason why I said that is he had a chiseled chin, nice and skinny, looked tough, (laughs) and I'm like, hey, If he looks the part, he can be the part. So
0: the typical attributes of a person who lays concrete for a living. (laughs) Right. It must have been my tight jeans.
1: You know what? But you didn't want to do the manual. They you you were more into the sales aspect. I think.
0: uh, Yeah. One of the first sentences out of my mouth was, "I will work for you as long as it doesn't involve labor."
1: (laughs) You know what? Though that's pretty funny because I wasn't actually looking for a labor guy. I was actually looking for somebody (laughs) that could go out and actually. Do things exactly the way I do things uh, going out, offering a service, helping somebody, and you know impacting people. so when I talked to you, you you know you really held yourself well, um, but you know that that moment, I believe things happened for us, not to us so when when we met, that was the start of a good, good relationship between you and I because not only did you work for me, but I also learned a huge deal from you. Um, I actually walked faith with you. Uh, you know, we've we've done a lot of you know soul searching. We've done a lot of uh, you know. Uh, you do a lot of good things for the community, but I really want to touch base of really why we're here of helping one individual. And the reason why I say that is is because you help thousands of people and. You know, your nonprofit, Love for a Child, uh, why don't we go back into, you know, the start, of why you actually started Love for a Child, and what you're looking at doing, and how how what's your mission for Love for a Child?
0: Oh man, loaded question. But uh, I think obviously why we started Love for a Child was um, there's a lot of families in foster care who need extra help now we see these things on the news and we see them in newspapers about foster care family this and foster care child this but i think what audiences really need to know is that um michigan in like 2019 was declared the third worst state in the entire country for like the development of foster care agencies so what that means is is, um the children actually came like third in line. First you have like the governmental offices, then you have the smaller agencies, then you have the families and then the children. And so um, if at the top of that totem pole were the third worst in the country, my theory is that like the children that are actually within our system here in Michigan are the almost overlooked group of children in the entire nation. And so Um, I'm 36 years old, and it's hard to believe, and sometimes when I tell people uh, this in person, but uh, I have been doing this for 18 years um, in different volunteer capacities and helping lead Love for a Child for the last 15 years. And so the mission at Love for a Child is is pretty simple. It's to um, foster faith for foster families, which is a great way of saying is we want to take an overlooked demographic of families and children and for the first time in their lives make them feel like they are the primary focus to get on their level look them in square in the eyes and let them know that they have a resource available to them that maybe agencies and government doesn't offer sometimes those resources are financial stability maybe their respite care to help serve a family camps and mentorship but more importantly another phone number within their rolodex to reach out 24 hours a day 365 days a year to know that we are in their corner to help serve and provide for that foster child no matter the situation and so um, there's a lot of foster care charities here in michigan sure Some provide backpacks and some provide shoes. All those are great resources, but we wanted our largest gift at Love for a Child to be our intentional and focused time with each child. The gifts, birthdays, Christmases, and major holidays, that comes second. The first gift is showing up when you say you're gonna show up, being there for the child, and serving a family who feels like they don't have anybody in their corner, amen.
1: Well, you know what i i what i took out of that is this man dude that in that word intentional um i think when you're intentional with something especially an individual sometimes you just have to listen and you have to be intentional on what exactly is going to happen and i think you know you hit it spot on is you just got to show up and be there for them because as a foster kid they don't have that person to fall back on because they're always searching for that right person they're like they just want to be loved And I love the name love for a child. Tell me how, why, how you name that uh, love for a child, go back into that. And then, um, that way people can kind of get why you named it that because it's so impactful because you are so intentional with that stuff. So when you named it love for a child, that's your main purpose, I'm assuming. So why don't you go into that a little bit?
0: Well, we don't hide the fact that we love God and that we're faith focused. Um, and love for a child may sound very poetic in nature, and it looks good on paper, and it looks good on the logo, but at the heart of the center of it is true biblical meaning. Um, that God so loved the world, he would give his only forgotten son, Jesus. And so um, that God would send his son to this earth to be the only true definition, perfect and flawless and true as the definition of love that we should portray and live out. In our own standards, we've manipulated and disgusted the word love as the world would see it. But there once was a perfect loved that walked these streets and, um, and God provided that. And so if God can send love down in child form so that we should know and understand what that looked like, Um, I thought that that story is the one story that the world should hear. And so if people don't care to hear about foster care and they don't care to hear about serving as a volunteer and they say, well, what does love for a child mean? What does it stand for? At least gives me the opportunity to say that God sent his son um, as love to us so that we would serve other people and we would raise children to be that form of love. And once we've done that, once we've accomplished that goal, We've raised our own children in the form of love. Our job here is done. That—that that is what we were set here on Earth to do. Um, doesn't matter if you're a millionaire, what business you've started, what um, different accomplishments you've—you've you've succeeded at. Uh, all that comes to an end for all of us on Earth at some point, whether um, early death or or we're old and 110 years old and we die. But our goal as God would have it is we would love children and raise them to know perfect love in Christ. And so that's where the name um, Love for a Child was actually created.
1: Yeah, that is, it gave me chills when you explained it because, I mean, when you said, so God loved the world. I mean, that just gets me chills every single time I say it because he does love us no matter what we do. And I think a lot of things is, is with you being intentional and making sure you show up is the biggest step for a foster kid, is making sure that when they say they're gonna go someplace and you're there, it's intentional. They know they're not gonna be let down. Um, You know, that's, dude, that's amazing. It gave me goosebumps, and I'm sure it gave a lot of our guests goosebumps on that. Now, go a little bit about what you do uh, at Love for a Child uh, for these kids, and maybe talk a little bit about the camp. You guys uh, uh, started about 15 years ago. And uh, where you had your first camp. So, why don't you talk, you know, from the beginning of what you started from now, and, or obviously 15 years ago to now, how much you've changed and how much you've grown and what you've impacted and how many children you brought on to your organization?
0: Yeah, so um, Love for a Child does pretty much three things with intentional greatness. That's um, something we call kids' camps. A mentorship program and then tailored resources and so at any given time there's you know 14 to 15,000 children in foster care and and unfortunately we don't have the capacity to serve them all and we give out applications and we find the most desperate need for children to serve and that's not just a hey their application come in and first come first serve basis we actually have a team that reviews those applications to find out the child's parameters. And oftentimes those child, those children, I'm sorry, fall under maybe one of two different demographics. Um, The first is that due to being a child of foster care, they might live in 10 houses prior to the age of 10 years old. So 10 houses before the age of 10. And the second parameter is that through different clinical documentation, and meeting with the reporters that are on these child's cases, we can identify children below the age of 10 who have been subject to um, physical sexual abuse before the age of 10 by multiple partners. And so that sometimes for listeners can be really hard to hear, like 10 houses before the age of 10 or a child who has been taken advantage of by met, uh, several different people before the age of 10. But that's why we do it. We take 15,000 kids, we narrow it down, we narrow it down, we narrow it down, and we find, as I said earlier in the podcast, the most overlooked group of children we can find to make them feel like royalty and a focus for the very first time. And so, very quickly, the program operates like this. Those 40 children come to a summer camp and are greeted by 85 trauma-trained individual volunteers per camp. They spend one week with us, having the best experience and um, opportunity a child could have to be a kid for a week, treated like kings and queens, surprises every hour on the day, to raise their emotions, to heal the hurt, to replace the loss with love. At the end of that week, once we've built the friendship, we offer the opportunity for mentorship. So now I've already built trust with the child, The child now can be seen once a month by myself or a volunteer staff. And we don't just show up in the summer months when the sun is out and it's easy to go into a a slip and slide or a pool. We show up on that rainy, cold January day and February day when that child would be isolated in a bedroom and we take them out and we do activities and leadership games and um, bring over fresh meals for that family and then tailored resources. We're there for their birthday, their Christmas, their fifth grade graduation. We're there to keep a light on. We're there to put food in the fridge. We want our families to know that who we serve, that um, we're there, rain or shine, night or day, 365. And I think it's also important for audiences to know that um, we don't charge for any of our services. We are supported and sponsored by amazing, amazing business owners and churches throughout Michigan so that we can provide cost-free programming to the most overlooked group of children.
1: Wow, um, dude, that is, that, this is touching because here's the thing is my, my mom, obviously you know my mom, Christina, um, she's been a foster care uh, parent for, for several kids now. I think she's up to, she was a total of, I believe seven total and each kid that came into my mother's house obviously it was our house too but i was gone at the time but each kid had some kind of form of of abuse some kind of form of uh, maybe verbal abuse maybe alcoholism in the family drug related um you know locking kids in in rooms um why don't you tell us a couple stories of some touching stories not only for an individual that has come to camp with you but also a volunteer of how much that's impacted. So we'll first go into uh, uh, individual, and if you want to say one or two stories, but give me your most impactful story that you've actually had at Kids Camp because, you know, when my mother adopted and was a foster care, she had four – kids that were individually given to her and she wanted to make sure those four kids were putting the house together so it's so difficult as a foster parent because most time they split up their kids and and my mom was so focused on making sure i'm not going to have these kids split up so tell us a story of maybe an individual or a brother and sister or one story that's impacted you that will impact our guests and then we'll go into a, a, a volunteer
0: well i will preface this for any listeners um Engaging in this podcast today that the stories can be hard to listen to regardless of who you are But you know if if you are a victim of emotional physical sexual abuse at any point in your life um, Just the uh, the preface is that these stories could be triggering and we're not asking you to leave the podcast we're just saying um, listen with an open heart because they're tough and they're real and they're authentic so You know, when, Ryan, you asked me that question, um, it's very easy for me to pick out the first one because I think about it all the time. Um, I grew up in Macomb County, a suburban area that was kind of known for above-average living. There was two malls within a mile of my house. And so um, there was this phone call I got in 2018 of a little 11-year-old girl who had been through abuse and when they called me they said can we enroll her in your program i said of course you can but what's the story and they said are you ready and i said well yeah sure give it to me i've done this a 100 times before they said well this little girl was not in school for two years and this is pre-covid so like pre-covid for kids to not be in school wasn't a common conversation like it is nowadays and so She didn't go to school for two years, but there was no documentation of really why. There was excuses that her father had a unique job and he moved different cities all the time and it was hard to keep up on the paper trail. So the principal of the school finally made a phone call to an emergency contact, which was a aunt and uncle. The aunt and uncle basically openly admitted, we want nothing to do with this family um the father is a nomad and he's he lives from different couch to different couch every every you know three months and the mom was a drug addict who had never been in the life to begin with so they kind of just wrote off the story principal calls child protective services and makes a report they visit the home that was on the file it's in clinton township 19 in garfield Um, an area that I have driven by a million times before and had no concerns. And if you can picture the area, if you're listening, um, there's a prominent high school there called Chippewa Valley. There's suburbs right around it. Well, there was this one house right in one of those suburbs. Grass was a foot tall, the window was broken in, and neighbors said, yeah, nobody's been living in that house for like six months. And so the police went to the house, they knocked, nobody answered and they left. They made a report, home was abandoned, no one's been living there for 90 days or more, and they walked away. Well, eight days later, a neighbor was cutting the lawn, he turned off his lawnmower to hear what he will never forget. Um, Screams. Terrifying little screams coming from the abandoned house. The police were called, And the same patrol officer now pulled up to the same house eight days later with a partner. He heard the screams. He knocked on the door viciously. No one answered. He knocked on the door a second time. No one answered. Made the announcement that he was coming in. Kicked down the door. Drug paraphernalia and alcohol and um, liquor bottles as far as the eye can see. But where were the screams coming from? It was in that moment that the police officer with his weapon drawn opened the door to the basement, walked down some wooden stairs to see a concrete floor as were pretty typical with unfinished Michigan basements, and there found an 11-year-old girl chained by both of her ankles to a pole in the basement. Living in her own feces with crackers and milk and water scattered amongst her, just to find out a couple things. Number one, she hadn't, she had not exited that basement in over two years and nobody made a phone call. And where the story takes even a horrific turn is that in a drug addicted state, that biological father was selling her for $20 on the dime or for any pill he could get his hand on so that people could go down that basement and take advantage of that little girl who was only nine and 10 at the age? There are reports, we don't know the number, but my guess is that there was somewhere between 50 and 75 adults who entered that basement and took advantage of this little girl, robbing her of 100% of her childhood. And that little girl showed up to our kids' camp broken and hurt. But we gave her a week, one week, to be treated like a queen, a princess, like royalty to comb her hair, to feed her, and, and keep her safe. And here we are, 2021. That little girl now is entering high school. Sure, there's emotional damage. This story never leaves. But that girl now walks into high school, um, a much different young woman than when we found that little girl first in our program. We still see her. We still call the family. We're still involved. That is called making change. That's called making impact. When things are tough, they're challenging in the most horrific way you can think of, but you stay invested, you stay intentional, and you can make life altering change in a child's life. And we're not done just because she's in high school. We will stick around and, and we pray and hope that that's the type of young girl who can turn 18 one day and share her story. Um, to a child who who came from the same circumstance
1: wow um i mean there's probably a lot of people speechless right now i mean that story went really deep and the reason why we told that story is because people don't realize what they don't know and you know for being a foster kid there's a reason they're in those situations Um, you know, with the mental health, the way it is, the way, you know, uh, you know, alcohol and and drugs are on the rise. um, You know, those are huge issues in the foster care world. And what we need to start doing is, is open our eyes and really starting to really just keep an eye out because you never know. Like, like you said, neighbors didn't have any idea that stuff was going on. Because we're too busy looking the other way and that's why with you doing this and being intentional you are saving thousands and thousands of people's lives I, I cannot believe the story that that had you know that went through and, and and today well how many years ago was that when she came to your camp for the first time
0: that would have been 18 2018
1: 2018 and now she's in high school and it or middle school or high school and she's she's going on to that next stage in her life which that kid's can't maybe change the, the way she thinks, maybe change the way she feels. Maybe she's going to be a volunteer for you. But when somebody has an impactful story like that, they need to share it. And that's why I felt yeah. Joe, you know, he needed to share that story. Because there are so many kids out there and, and so many adults now that have that story and it just never came out. Yeah. And and they really need help. And, you know, we, we're bringing this to... To our podcast because we want to help one individual. So if this video and this story and this thing helps one person, we did our job.
0: I think it's also important for people listening to know that you know, um, it it doesn't have to be that level of traumatic abuse for you to feel like, oh, I can't relate to that person. Maybe you were in a, a bad marriage where things were said to you verbally that still affect you, or maybe you were in high school twenty five years ago where you didn't fit in and you've left still feeling like you have a hole in your heart that you're, you're never going to be good enough. And um, I I think people need to know that there are resources at hand out there, whether it's counselors, pastors, therapists, or or just a good friend over coffee that is ready and willing to listen. Um, Because you truly can't be your best self until you found self healing and, and self coping. And this little girl has a long trajectory ahead of her before that ever takes place. But what we find out at camp is, you know, when people volunteer, um, they don't realize they've been through some form of abuse until they've met a child who's currently living in it. And it starts to open up all these chapters in their heart and their life. And um, it's never too late to to ask for help or ask for somebody to listen. And so we could end the podcast right here we're not going to, but if you're listening to this and you're like, "Hey, you know what? I've been hiding something within my own life for a long time just cuz I didn't think anybody cared." Um I think Ryan and I speak for ourselves when we say, "Well, we disagree. Ryan and Joe are at least just two of the many out there that would be a lending ear to someone who's struggling with something deep within." And so um, we ho- we just encourage you to, to, to pray about that. And, you know, if that's you, um, just know that there is help. You know, I mean,
1: it, it's 100% true is, is we are here for a reason and that's to help people. So if, you know, I'm going to put my cell phone on this link after we're done, because if somebody's battling or they just need to talk or they need a vent or they want to call me up and just, you know, have any information, I'm here to listen because sometimes it's just to listen. Because a lot of people just don't know who to talk to because they think they're gonna be judged they think they're gonna be ridiculed but here's the thing is is there are people out there that will help and they will listen and just so you know as Joe and I are one of those people that will actually take the time and actually listen and we will be intentional with that call we will be intentional and we could get you help or we could ask you for you know different times or maybe you want to get involved to help you know heal you as you want to help other people because with helping people really helps you inside Um, I wanted to go a little bit uh, on a more happier no we're gonna go into a little more happy we're gonna change the mood up. we're gonna change the mood because you know what that that was such an impactful story but I wanted people to hear that story I wanted people to see exactly what you're doing behind the scenes and and who you're impacting but why don't we go and, and have somebody you know, tell us this little story about a volunteer that has, has literally came to Kids Camp and literally changed the way they think, changed the way their mindset is, changed the way they listen, changed the way they see the world. Just take us down that path of a volunteer, and then we'll go into, you know, because you you said before we, we actually started this podcast that it's very hard to be a volunteer because there's so many people that want to reach out to you. So, yeah. you know, there's ways to volunteer, but we want I want to talk about this, this story first, but when you volunteer there's no guarantee you can volunteer which is good with Joe's camp because he he has a ton of people so he's not looking for every single volunteer but there's always a way to reach out to him and what's really cool about that is you can actually we'll send we'll put a link on the bottom but if you want to help with uh, love for a child you can actually go to his website you can send him a link where you're from um, you know uh, your probably your age your name and your contact info and they'll reach out to you and see if they can help but why don't we go into let's dive into a happy story of of how a volunteer was impacted for this long the, this five to seven day camp and and tell
0: tell us that story you know I'm, I'm gonna share two quick stories one one of them is the full cycle you know um, in 2008 A 10-year-old came off of a bus, uh, a child of foster care from Waterford, Michigan that had a very hard story. Um, His name was Timmy, and you can watch his video on the website. We did a short documentary with him. But Timmy would be at the camp for a week. And then I personally chose to mentor Timmy, and I would be in his life, and I would show up to his football games and take him out for pizza, and the very simple acts that are just being compassionate and then as time would do its thing, all of a sudden Timmy would be in high school and we'd be getting lunch and surprise birthday parties. And then the next thing you know it, Timmy's telling me that he's applying for college. And and so this very child who was supposed to be a product of the foster care system just needed a supporting team of people to be in his life. And from age ten to age eighteen went by very fast. And when Timmy turned 19, he actually returned back to Love for a Child Kids Camp as a volunteer to serve the very child where we met him. If that confuses you, he started with us at age 10. We mentored him for near a decade. And then uh, now he serves on the team. He's a college graduate. He just became a police officer. And he's about to be potentially engaged uh, to a another camp counselor that he met while serving at the camp. So if you're talking about life altering positive change, um, imagine showing up to the very place as a broken child where your life was changed to now serve another group of children with people that you met, your future wife, a new career. We pray for these type of stories all the time that one child would just not be a statistic of foster care make it through and then be an overachiever and timmy was just that but some people are like well that's not me joe i'm not i'm not that person i'm not a a child of foster care like what about the average day people i i I think of another guy who just served last week at our kids camp for the very first time this um is an african-american friend of mine his name's aaron just the sweetest black man you would ever meet and when I first sat down with him in the end of 2020 he had tears in his eyes when he told me Joe I don't think I can volunteer for you Um, I have two kids of my own they're grown up now one's in high school one's in college but I failed as a father I didn't serve them the way I should have I wasn't intentional with my time and they made mistakes and and one did some jail time and I just, I blame all of that on myself because I was not a good dad. So you would think I would stop right there and be like, yeah, man, you're not a good volunteer for us. Like we're looking for just good people, but I could recognize in this guy's heart, he needed a second chance. Um, The exact statement out of his mouth was, how can I have served these children for one week if I haven't served my own children for 18 years? And I'll never forget that because Aaron did come to camp. He completed the training. He did everything he was supposed to do. But when he got to camp and those little boys came off the bus and ran into his arms, there was a different fervor. There was a different light. There was a different purpose that was instilled in his heart immediately. And he served those children for one week with the most incredible honor you could serve kids, always a smile on his face, always, um, putting uh, a burger on their plate before he fed himself making sure that they were, uh, you know, showered and ready for bed and reading stories and praying over them. And people listening could just be like, well, you know, screw that guy. Like, he, he didn't take care of his own kids. Like, how, how can he just serve another, another kid with such honor and love? Because I think in life we all have to realize there's points where we can go 180. We can choose to turn the events around and head towards the right direction. And just for Aaron and many, many, many more volunteers that have served, I think love for a child was an opportunity for not just his eyes to be opened, but for his heart to see a culture of compassion that he has never felt before. And when that change occurred and he felt that um, that new heartbeat, he went home and spoke to his wife and his children and his daughters in such a different way and i just spoke to aaron over the weekend and um know i i don't think people will understand because it's hard for me to explain on a podcast i could hear a different joy just in his voice um from from one week away with us
1: you know what's what's really cool about that is, is not only did you change a kid's life you changed his life because he failed as a parent and he knew that he owed it to himself to go out and try to be intentional a yeah. be better better of a person and that might affect him as being a better grandparent down the road. that might affect him to be a better husband that might affect him to be a better person for other people meaning now he is serving you and helping you we do things for God and God first and and I believe truly that, you know, God puts us in, in certain circumstances. God puts us uh, in front of people that that really need help. And, you know, he, he was put in front of you for that reason. And the best the best thing about it is you actually listen and you listen to God say, I can help this individual. I can help impact this person, not only so he can go on, but he can actually go on and help others. Yeah. And he might he might do something that you would be so surprised down the road and say, he might even be a foster parent. He sure. might not have been a good dad, but he could eventually go down in the road of, hey, I'm going to start fostering people because I know how to be a dad now. I yeah. want to be that person. I failed in the past, but God's given me another chance to go on with it. Sure. So, I think I think that story was a very happy story. I think that story was amazing. It gave me goosebumps a couple times. I think people listening to this stuff are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe what's going on out there." But here here's the thing is it's because we have to start being more alert to what's going on out there because things aren't perfect. And there's a kid that you you will see every single day that's hiding everything that's going on if it's verbal abuse if it's if it's somebody not having them go to school because they feel like they shouldn't go to school um you know those are little things that can really impact a a children's life but why don't we go into some of the activities that you do at kids camp because i've seen the videos we saw the video in in the in the intro um there's going to be a hype video at the end meaning like you're going to show exactly how you do things but I am so impressed on all the stuff that you do. I mean, you, you said there's a surprise every hour. Go into, you know, what a daily routine is at Kids Camp because why it's so impactful for these kids to come because it's almost like Christmas. You know, sure. they get they get all these things. It's, it's fun. And then, you know, they do this week and it's changed their life. Tell me exactly all the little things that go into involved into doing these kinds of things. Yeah.
0: So a typical day at camp, you know, they wake up, they do their exercises with our awesome coach who makes it fun and exciting. And, um, but let's cover the meals first for a lot of children of foster care. You know, they're with so many different families in a given year or so many different homes. Um, potentially meals could be very overlooked in themselves. So, um, we make sure for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, we sit down as a family and we have a serving staff who comes out and serves the children, the camp counselors, and we make so much fun of it. Um, every child doesn't have to get out of their seat. Food is just brought to them and brought to them and, and desserts. And we want to make sure that they know that they're well fed, but well served. And at the end of our meal, uh, DJ Doug, hits like a 15-minute dance session we do like four songs and so um wait what a way to end a meal you eat some spaghetti some burgers some meatloaf and then you have to dance off the calories but um some of the big events you know we we put on something called the royal princess party where every girl gets a new dress and a salon from oxford comes in and does their hair and their makeup and the princesses come in and, and serve tea and talk about value and worth and so this is a moment for those little girls to understand They're not a product of their past, but they have a new beginning, a new life. And um, we go all out for that. We put on a birthday party for all the children. You might say, well, what's a big deal? For a lot of children in foster care, because they move around so much, they miss their birthday parties. They've never had one. They might not even get a birthday gift. So we put on the biggest birthday bash for all 40 children. we customize cakes, we customize gifts. We go all out for two hours. We bring in a carnival that costs 5,000 bucks for 40 children. Why? Because we do it with a Royal approach. We're not just going to call your neighbor and ask him to blow up his inflatable and can 40 kids share it. No, we put on a a carnival that could host 300 children for a small group of kids who deserve it. We bring in Detroit Tigers and Detroit Red Wings to, to lead the boys through the woods and, Give them a pep talk and a leadership talk that we call the man walk and they sign baseballs and give out hockey pucks um, every aspect of every hour of every day is done with intention all the way down to late at night those boys and girls get cleaned up they shower they they roll into their beds they pull up their blanket they put their head on pillows just like we do with our own children the difference is that for a lot of these kids The nine o'clock hour brings on a different type of fear that we don't know. That's when the emotional, the sexual, the physical abuse typically takes place. So nighttime is a very fearful time for a lot of these children. And so we bring in our own grandma and grandpa, not to replace their own biological family, but as a reminder that grandma and grandma walk in and they give them a comfort toy, a teddy bear, a book, a Bible, a blanket. They pray with them. Um, maybe a little girl just wants her hair combed until she falls asleep. These moments of authenticity are just actions to show each child um, all the different attributes of why we care for them. So whether it's a super fun carnival where we're screaming and dancing and, and water um, guns are going off, all the way down to those quiet, fearful moments where we're there just to listen, protect, and let each child know that they can trust us in a safe and controlled environment. Every hour, of every day is systematically put in place to make the child feel like home. Wow.
1: I mean, you you literally are, are bringing 40 people to a camp and showing them... The most amazing, amazing week of their life. And they have something to remember for the rest of their life. And th- and that's what's so cool about, you know, this camp. I mean, they have, you guys have two camps now. So, yeah, you have, and you're adding a third. So, you have one on the west side. You have one on the east side. And now you're adding another one. And where's the other one going to be uh, located?
0: Yeah, so we got one in West Michigan. Let's call it the Holland area. We yeah, got one right here in the Metro Detroit area, right here in Oxford, Michigan, and our third um, prayerfully considered will be in Frankenmuth.
1: Wow! So they have three locations. They're growing, and so I want to, since 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 we're being intentional, I want you to tell a little bit about some of your characters. And the reason why I say this is in 2000, I believe in eight, we were talking about. Uh, 2008 uh, or 2014. I'm sorry. I think it was 2014. We were talking about how you invited me to kids camp, and I came mm-hmm. out there as a guest, and I was watching you, and I was watching you do a skit, and I thought it was probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And the reason why that is is because when he, when Joe gets into character, it's it's a he's a character. I mean, he is literally 100% invested yes. in this character. So I want to I want to go into this little Joey character that you yep. do at camp because, to be honest with you, I'm going to make you do a little skit here, and, oh, and I'm going to make you transition because obviously we're in podcast, oh, but gosh. we're also filming this, so this is going to be live on YouTube. So I want you to have a little interaction with yourself, but what? I want you to go back and forth from little Joey <laughs> to Joe Savali, and and the reason why I say that is because I want you I want people to. To really see this character because when I saw this character and I saw the kids at this camp their faces lit up they laughed they giggled they it looked like they had no care in the world because for a moment that one moment they forgot about everything so tell us a little bit about how you literally brought up little Joey and you know and what Joey means to you and then after that, we're going to go into why you wrote the book and called Little Little Joey Goes to Camp. And we're going to little just, just dissect that book a little bit because sure. I'll tell you right now, Joe's probably a little embarrassed right now because he's going to have to act this character, but he, Joe never gets embarrassed. But I want him to, because he's got, I think, three or four characters, but I really want him to go into Little Joey. So tell us a little bit about Little Joey, and then we're going to make you do a little
0: skit with Joey. Um... Oh my gosh Um, (laughs) well 15 years ago we were standing in a room hosting our first uh, kids camp and my friend Nicole and I were like oh my gosh we have these kids about to come in the room we have to teach them for like 20 minutes what are we gonna do and so um, in a nervous panic I grabbed a hat that didn't fit me a fanny pack And a couple of gag gifts that I just threw inside the fanny pack, like a squirt gun and um, some weird lipstick or something and a a whoopee cushion. And I said, just follow my lead. And so basically I ran in the room. I started acting like a rambunctious six-year-old and Nicole was trying to calm the character down. And what we noticed was that the children, we had their undivided attention because, well, they could relate to this young six-year-old <laughs> character running in the room. Yep. Um, what we didn't know is that the character would become such a applauded, favorable thing at camp that when I'm in character, um, it's one thing, but when I'm out of character as director Joe, Mr. Joe, they come up to me asking me when my twin brother is going to come to camp. And so we we knew then we had something that... Um, The character was so extreme, the innocence of the child couldn't recognize that the same person played both characters. And so little Joey was just a way for me to get down on a child's level to teach the child valuable lessons. And so a mistake turned into a miracle because 15 years later, not only do I play the character still, but we've turned that character into a children's book. Let me see if, Ryan, can you see that all right in yeah, camera? Absolutely.
1: It's called The Little Joey Goes to Camp.
0: So, um <laughs> Little Joey Goes to Camp is a a true story about a child of foster care who goes one week away to camp who feels like maybe they're out of place because they're titled a foster kid. But um God tells him that he's an awesome kid and he goes on to show people from camp um why you can do anything no matter where you came from, and to be brave, and to be courageous. And the beautiful thing about this book is that I actually took uh, our amazing illustrator Nathan Bortz to the physical campground here in the Oxford area, and he made the pages of the book almost the same as the physical campground. Why is that important? So that when I give this book to the children at the end of the week, and they go home to their individual couches and their bedrooms and they, they read it. Um, not only do they relate to this story, but it visually brings them back to the exact place where the book took place so that they can remember their value and their worth. And so beyond the character and the craziness that is Little Joey is the, um, the heartfelt story of why a foster child is able to, to do more than what the world has put on their shoulders. And so um, very proud of this book you can visit um littlejoeybook.com buy it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and 100% of the proceeds of this book um, helps send a child in foster care to camp
1: so you heard it guys uh, you know 100% of the proceeds go so what we'll do is we'll put that little uh, that link in littlejoeybook.com and you got to go buy a copy because like I said this if 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 anything if you if you don't support Love for a child. Yeah. Buying this book and giving this as a Christmas gift, birthday gift, uh, anything. It even comes with a whoopee cushion in the back. So how <laughs> cool is that? You can actually have that. You can give that to the kids, and then they can get the whoopee cushion out. My son took his out, and he's like, he blew it up, and he laughs and giggles. But now he's ten, so he probably doesn't giggle that much anymore. But he might. He, he might. He might. So, but I think I think too is is is, is having this character. Which, when I saw it for the first time, I laughed, and I I was I was hysterical because it it, it it is a his twin brother because it hits not him during normal. So why don't we why don't we you know do a little animation of how you know what what is your favorite skit that well, you've you know acted out that you want to do on the camera for people because maybe, I know you don't have the 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 the, the all the. I don't have gears, the props
0: no. or the environment, but maybe I can give them like ten seconds of, um, of kidness, right? <laughs> of how little Joey talks. Maybe that would give you guys That'll some. that work. that um,
1: Everybody, close your eyes real quick. For those are, of you guys that I'm are not take the headphones
0: loved. off for a second, so I don't break in. Yep, mind.
1: go ahead. So, so just just real quick, we're gonna go into this, you know, this very quiet state. We're gonna. We're gonna think, we're gonna listen, and we're gonna pretend like there's somebody else coming. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce little Joey to to the stage.
0: How's it going, little Joey? Go! Oh. Hi, Tids. It's little Joey. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here.
1: You're excited. What are you, what are you here today for?
0: Um, because I want to make everybody fart.
1: Oh my gosh, that's inappropriate, little Joey. No, it's
0: not. Everybody has the toots.
1: Oh my gosh, and we're on live here. People are watching us. Hey, Mr. Ryan, did you hear that? Oh my god, I just heard it. It, I think it smells. Are you really farting over
0: there? Well, I don't know, but something gas came out of my intergluteals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, here we go. See, now this is exactly little Joey, guys. And I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, I am very excited for little Joey to be here. Little Joey, what is your favorite thing to do at little kids camp?
0: Oh, you know, I like to put meatloaf under my pillow and I love just to blow tisses to everybody.
1: Aw, that's so nice of you. That's so great. (laughs) Dude, hey, everybody.
0: So you can imagine the caveat to that is, uh, (laughs) typically I'm in a room with 100 people watching on a stage with colorful lights and I'm running in and I'm rambunctious, but um The kids are kids, right? So they just love hearing a fart joke. They love hearing silliness Um It just allows the child Who has been through so much to kind of forget all the crap they've been through and just think like a kid like a child for a moment and so um as silly as it is to be in that character in the quiet of a studio, um, and, and awkward as it might have been to watch that, just put yourself in the setting of of the children and, and know that um, they love it, even if you didn't.
1: I think I must be a children because I'm still giggling. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And
0: if you can't laugh at a fart joke <laughs> wherever you're listening to these days, just get off this podcast, stop listening, because that's what it's all about.
1: Hey, you know what? I, I think... I think we need a little more laughter in this in this world. And if you can laugh at the little things, I oh man, just just like you said, this whole this whole conversation is about really just being intentional. And you know, for people on a day to day basis, this is how do you go about your day to be intentional? How, what do you do when you have a situation that you run into that says, you know what, maybe I should do something, but it's probably I should probably do something there. You need to be intentional. You need to tack that situation. You need to help people. You need to reach out. But here's the thing: I want to I want to have ask one more question, and then we're gonna wrap it up here. But my my number one question for you that I really wanted to make sure I asked you today is because you know you're you're such an amazing human being you're 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 you've driven me to be a better person. When I met you, uh, you know, almost uh, eight years ago, I seriously think that. I am a better person because I met you and the reason why that is is because you pushed me to be a better person and I think a a real reason why I want to impact so many people is because I hang around with so many good people and they and and the people that I hang around with are always wanting to help others so my biggest question for you today is, is is obviously you do all these things okay you have to have somebody that taught you or mentored you or really just you know said hey Joe this is how you are. This is what you should do with life. Who is that number one mentor that you've, you know, that really has touched your heart that has pushed you to be a better person?
0: Um, I guess when I look back at my early twenties, when this whole thing was starting, um, I wouldn't say I was like a lost individual, but I was seeking what purpose would be in my life. Um, I didn't have some wild bachelor's degree in any one profession. I didn't have some career opportunity on my table. So as I watched all my friends buying their first houses and graduating college and getting married at early ages, I was sitting back kind of me, myself and I going, what do I have to show for myself? And um, I didn't love the answers that I had self-determined in my own heart to answer that. And so, um, at that time and for the, the years following there, there was a gentleman who grabbed me by the boots and the back of the collar. His name was, um, Joe wintering and he's a pastor in the Marine city area, a a church called harvest Christian over in Marine city, still there. And, um, you know what? I think every person in life needs a coach and he, continue to show up even when I didn't deserve it Um, there was times that I probably didn't treat him well or maybe I lied about something being an ignorant young adult but he looked past those things and he kept molding the clay let's call it that and kept pouring water onto the seed and and he didn't give up because he saw potential in me and um, I've thanked him numerous times for gearing me down the right path and um i still thank him if he decides to watch this long to this podcast thank you pastor joe because um you can be a tough guy at times um but you were tough on me when it mattered most and that termination allowed me to really find my purpose and uh, even though he's considerably older than me um in fact uh, we his nickname is big poppy um i would still call him one of my closest friends to this day because there's something to be said about showing up in somebody's life and drastically changing their circumstances and my heart and my brain and my thoughts and my direction all came to a crashing halt when i met him and i changed my course of direction and uh, i wouldn't change that for anything because um we're all still a work in progress i still have a lot of things i want to accomplish and um change in my own my my own life and my family currently but it started at a pivot point in life a pivot point towards purpose and um pastor joe thank you for um trusting and what an
1: amazing uh, Appreciate that. amazing amazing story and and the thing is, is too is, is I know Pastor Joe and and he can be tough and you know and we all make make mistakes and and I 'll tell you right now that guy is a man of faith, a man of God, and he is a very, very good individual, and he is he has everything and he does everything with intention, and I think that 's where Joe learned it from, and, and that makes so much sense now. Because I do know Poppy, I do know uh, Pastor Joe as, as as he referred to him, but I also have met him and he does things for people that you might say, Well why is he doing that? Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? Because you know why? Is he lives through God and God is his number one and he he does everything in the world for purpose. You know, and he he, he doesn't give up. And that's that's the number one thing about You know having a mentor having a coach is is they're there for you to help and I think a lot of us you know we just we just don't we don't reach out we don't reach out to mentors we don't give it the time but here's the thing is is if you can touch somebody if you can make an impact on somebody why not you know just reach out You know I every day I do I have my routines I have my scheduled things I wake up I do my devotional I work out and I I give my gratitudes and 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 I I give out and it says right in my calendar it says reach out to somebody and make an impact and and are you doing that are you reaching out every single day to make a purpose are you doing it with intention because I'll tell you right now the last four years of my life uh, have been a huge huge change and, and I'm starting to do things with intention. I was actually, before Joe and I talked today, I said, that's the number one thing I'm starting to do is doing everything with intention, purpose. Why am I doing these things? Because there's a purpose for all of us out there. And I feel that my purpose is to impact one person per day. And if I can do more, that's even better. But with you guys' help, I can impact thousands. So I wanna thank Joe. I really yeah. appreciate you being here today. It was an amazing story. I think not only are you going to impact a lot of people on this, but I really do think that people are going to reach out to you and help you out. Because if you have that wherewithal, if you have that time, if you have the money, you know, what better, better charity to give it to? Because, I mean, I'm a supporter of of Love for a Child, and it's it's very simple. All you do is sign up. It takes it out of your uh, your checking account every single month and you don't even notice it's gone and the reason why is because you're doing things with intention to help these kids when they have the the uh, bounce houses they have the carnivals they have the food it all costs money okay and with your help they can do more and more with three kids camps going now one in Frankenmuth now they'll do hundred and twenty kids per year that's amazing now, if they can grow and grow and grow and do more, that is the key. So, let Joe,
0: me, uh, let me just say something on that because yeah. um, a lot of people ask me all the time. You know, hey, Joe, if somebody gave you a ten million dollars today. Wouldn't that be cool? You could be the largest charity tomorrow. Um, that's not the answer to everything. Um, if there's one thing that I would want listeners to to understand and reflect on would be. We wanna be quality over quantity. We already said in the beginning of the podcast that we're, we show up when we say we're gonna show up. Our biggest gift is intentionality. So, when you give into our charity, we're not trying to be the largest, most marketable charity out there in the world. If that comes down the line, great. But the, the more important thing to us is that um, we're a highly trained group of individuals we have a bigger heart to care than anything. And so we're not just sending people in the homes that are being reckless. We're sending people that have a committed time and a committed schedule to be there for these children. And so Ryan's right, yeah, the, the carnivals and the birthday parties, those all cost money. But imagine getting a phone call when a family's in desperate need on one of the coldest nights of the year and they need a warm meal they need a ride, they need a bill paid, Um, they need someone just to knock on their door. Those conversations that never get seen, that don't get on the news, that don't get their own type of YouTube channels are done behind the scenes with intentionality. We are not going to be the group that carries around a a camera crew to show you all the good works because that's not the way God intended it to do. blessed and highly favored are those who serve um, with a big heart and what that really means is I don't need to create a YouTube channel to show that I gave a a foster family a hundred dollar bill but when I show up in the middle of the night to make sure their needs are taken care of and those kids tears are wiped um, that is why this charity exists and so um, Watch the videos and read the stories on the website and and make a decision for your own. But just know that when you give in to Love for a Child, um, it goes so much further than just a financial donation. It it truly is freedom of fear for a child who, who needs a little extra faith that their days ahead have hope in it.
1: Wow, man, that's great. And we're going to wrap this thing up. But, man, I just want to thank you very much for being the guest. Yeah, thank you. I also want to tell you guys to make sure you guys go out, get your book or multiple books. Uh, I think it would be a great idea to buy multiple books. That way you can hand them out for Christmas gifts. But littlejoeybooks.com, it actually 100% of the proceeds goes towards Love for a Child. But you know what? I I just want to thank you. I think this has probably been the best experience. This is our first live video in my studio um so it's uh it's with all this technology stuff i'm getting better and better but i'll tell you right now it's definitely out of my comfort zone and i'm doing it and it's episode eight of power of helping people and uh you know everybody have a great day appreciate it